Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Charlotte. My dear Instagram friend, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Oh, yes. Hello, Sarah. And my name is Charlotte, and I am also known as the Spectrum Girl on Instagram because I'm autistic. So that means uh, that's why I chose the name the Spectrum Girl, because I'm on the spectrum. (laughs) Simple as that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was the quick introduction. I love it. No, because now we're going to get into the, we're going to get into so much more. I'm curious because I don't think I've ever heard your story on what it was like to get diagnosed. I've only, and I'll be honest, like things have changed so much in the last five years around social awareness with autism, our perceptions of autism, and even some of the language and what it means to be on the spectrum. So do you want to kind of walk me through when you got diagnosed and and how you kind of got to the place of even being diagnosed, if you knew something was up, if you always kind of felt it, if it happened at a young age or an older age, I would just love to kind of start there. I'm going to try to be as uh, quick as possible. <laughs> you too, to take your sum- time. Summing it all up. So the road to getting diagnosed as an autistic uh, was quite long. I'm 40 years old now, and I got diagnosed with autism when I was uh, 38, and also ADD, and that came afterwards. Uh, So it was like this big uh, package all at once. But I was very happy when I got diagnosed. And uh, some people might say, why were you happy about that? And that um, that's because (laughs) it was just giving me answers to everything that had gone wrong in my life earlier. Mm. That sounds really sad. But leading up to that diagnosis, being a little girl, I knew from the start that I was different, not like everyone else. I would just struggle a lot. Well, maybe I should first say, what is autism? 
Oh yeah. I actually would love to hear that as, cause I always thought it was like, they had different terminology for a while. There was like autism and there was like Asperger's and now it's like the spectrum of autism. And that's sort of like, it is what a spectrum is. There is so many different, um, you know, levels of it. So yeah, if you want to kind of explain what autism, I don't even think I've ever heard it explained before. So before I tell you how I got diagnosed, I will say what autism is. So autism spectrum disorder, it was previously also, um, it's now an umbrella term for um, what used to be also Asperger's. Mm, mm. (laughs) But don't use the term Asperger's anymore because um, of the guy it was named after, and his name is Hans Asperger. And uh, he was doing experiments on children during the World War II. Like, uh, he was a Nazi. He worked with the Nazis. So he killed little children who weren't, like, useful enough. And the ones who were smart enough, he named them as having Asperger's. So it's also problematic. The people with Asperger's were the ones who who, who, who were seen as more high-functioning, which is also a very damaging label because then that means the other the rest of the people who are autistic are aren't as yeah it's ableist right like it's it's incredibly ableist yeah the dsm-5 removed the terminology asperger's quite a few years ago actually but there are still doctors who are using the term asperger's for some reason here in norway as well but i have the diagnosis of uh, autism spectrum disorder so it is because it's a spectrum. It's all under that umbrella anyway. And there's a saying that says like, if you have met one person who's autistic, then you have met one person who is autistic because we're all so different. Yes. And so what is autism? They say it's a developmental disorder, but some of us, we don't really like to hear the word disorder. Mm. <laughs> find it a bit, yeah, some of us find it a little bit offending, but you know, there are comorbidities that come in there that may function as a disorder, I would say. Like, for example, if you have uh, heavy OCD or heavy anxiety and stuff like that, on in addition to being autistic, because uh, you can have anxiety and not be autistic, but a lot of autistic people have anxiety and, uh, right. and OCD, stuff like that. So at the top of uh, the list, I guess I would say, being autistic, you are really struggling with social interaction. You don't mm. know social codes. And so I think also maybe I should say that the terms neurodivergent, I don't know if you've heard about that. And neurodiver- yeah, yeah, a neuro, yeah, I, I've heard that. I've heard several friends who talk about being neurodivergent, but I've never yeah. really asked them like what that yeah. means. So when you are neurodivergent, so that is the one person way to say it because you are a neurodivergent and people in plural are neurodiverse. So that is everyone that includes you as, as well, because we as human, we are diverse. We all yes. have different brains, but um, so a lot of people use the terms a bit wrong in that way. Um, but when you are, like what is considered the typical type of brain, you are called neurotypical, like, uh, yeah, people who don't have any Mm -hmm. uh, diagnosis, I guess. (laughs) 
of course, you can have an anxiety diagnosis, but still be neurotypical. If you have, there's loads of different disorders or conditions that goes under the term uh, neurodivergent. When you're divergent from what is considered normal in, yeah, but what is normal anyway. So, but yeah, yeah. truly. And is neuro, is neurodivergent, is autism neurodivergent? And is somebody who's neurodivergent on the spectrum or can they still be other things? When you're uh, autistic, you are neurodivergent. Okay. So that, that's what you are. That's your brain. Your brain right. is neurodivergent. People say, I am neurodivergent, but you have a neuro... Yeah, your brain is diverging from what is normal. So you just... That's so, the, the neurology. Yeah. And you mentioned that you're also were diagnosed with ADHD. Now, if somebody was given an ADHD diagnosis, would they also be neurodivergent? Yes, that's also okay. divergent from what is considered uh, typical. Okay. So you're atypical. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Is, uh, better. So, so interesting. Uh, okay. Also, if you have Tourette's, you are neurodivergent. If you have, there are also neurodivergency, which you can get if you are inflicted on, for example, a, 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 if you're in a car accident and you hit your head and you have like a, a brain injury, then your brain becomes divergent it's like right. you can yeah your, your brain can suddenly become altered yes and that is when you have a type of neurodivergency that you require but you can also i think maybe in those cases you can become like can like become neurotypical again yes okay <laughs> yeah. okay so it, it could sound a bit confusing to some people but just remember the terms uh, neurotypical is like the, the normal people. We shouldn't yep. say that, but the, let's just do it, make it simple for people, the normal people. And then you have the, the weirdos. We are the neurodivergents <laughs> and we're all neurodiverse. We're part of a neurodiverse universe. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for breaking those down. Cause I think that that's, but the one thing I think that's been really uh, fascinating by following you has sort of been learning about terminology and learning about different perceptions and, you know, the spectrum as a whole. But yeah, I know we were bringing up a your, your diagnosis. I can't believe you were diagnosed at 38, especially feeling it from being such a young girl. How, and I will, I will ask as well, um, from what I've understood, women are far less diagnosed because their symptoms are often very different. So was that the case for you and how did it ever end up coming to it? Yes. So that is the origin story <laughs> of me. When I grew up, I was a really strange uh, little girl. <laughs> I would just, of course, struggle with the social skills, stand in the corner and like watch everyone and have no idea what to do to interact with everyone. I would be like, okay. Yeah. So also there was not enough uh, space for me in the kindergarten, the local kindergarten. So I had to go to uh, daycare, like a, a, a single mom who had one kid. And I just hung out with those two, three people. And that was not very good for my social, to practice my social skills as yes. a child. So <laughs> I don't know if it would have been better for me to be in a huge uh, kindergarten, but uh, with lots of kids, uh, I will never find out. But anyway, with lots of um, children around in elementary school and that I would start to notice that I was kind of thinking a bit more differently than my peers. 
like I would be a little bit maybe annoying going into detail about things and like, well, are you sure we should do it this way? Mm. Like <laughs> and questioning things and while everyone else would be like, ah, you're, why are you being so difficult? And I would get into lots of um, conflicts and uh, yeah, when I, People would, yeah, I would get into arguments and conflicts with people because they would misinterpret me and think that I was being rude when I was just being honest because autistic people sometimes don't have a lot of filter and quite straightforward and honest. And so what I did was, you know, my latest post, I wrote about being a wallflower. A lot of autistic people become like a wallflower. We're just standing on the sidelines and and kind of just observing in the end because we're just messing up every time we try to interact and be social <laughs> growing up. And it's safer to just standing on the sidelines and watching. But what we do then is we are observing and analyzing behaviors. And especially girls become extremely good at copying these mm. behaviors, which in turn makes it, and, and then we adapt kind of a skill that is called masking so we can kind of just like put on a different mask for every occasion whenever we need to it's like being a chameleon we can just play a different role but it's not who we are we just Mm -hmm. desperately need to kind of try and fit in like try to get along with a teacher or, or with other students in school or when you're trying to get a job you will put on a different mask to try and get the job but then yeah so that makes it really hard for girls to get diagnosed and get noticed so uh, flew straight through the cracks of the system in the school but of course I grew up in the 80s and mm-hmm. and information about autism in girls has an autism in all over has been a lot more yeah we we know a lot more now than we did then so yeah I don't think not almost no nobody got diagnosed in the 80s or 90s so um, yeah there's a lot of people now in their 20s and 30s getting diagnosed and 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 I find it um, interesting, I guess, because there has been so much is autism on the rise and these questions of is what is causing autism? Why is autism happening so much more? Why are so many more people getting this diagnosis? And I, I know from like learning from people like you, it really has caused me to reflect. I think there has been just a lot of a lack of diagnosis, not that there's more people with autism now, or people who are on the spectrum now, as much as there is now more access to information that allows us to be led to more diagnosis, not that we are doing something that is causing it. But you, you kind of said in a post recently that being diagnosed saved your life. And I, I kind of want to follow up with that is just, just recently, um, there's somebody in our relational world that has autism and was struggling with mental health. And I really wanted to kind of learn more. So I understood how those two things were intertwined. And I was really, um, blown away to find out some of the statistics around autism and mental health, especially around rates of suicide and, you know, just this, uh, a lot of hopelessness that was happening. And so I would love to kind of hear how and why you kind of said that being diagnosed saved your life. 
Yeah, so because I was ignored in my childhood and all the way up through university and it was, you know, just the ADHD didn't help much either because, you know, when you were, when you were trying to listen to the teacher, all you could hear was like the fan going off in the ceiling behind you and like the, a fly on the table next to you buzzing or mm. a chair creaking. So your my attention was everywhere uh, combined with being autistic and having ADHD is like this super attention uh, problem and super attention to all the details. It was like when the teacher was speaking, I could only see the mouth moving, but I couldn't hear anything. So I don't know even how I got through school and but I actually I didn't I flunked uh, math and some kind of history and took me years throughout my 20s and I struggled so much just to uh, get a, a degree but finally when I was 30 I graduated with a bachelor's degree in graphic design and then I came back to 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 Norway and I had struggled so much already I was already like my entire 20s had been like wearing myself out trying to fit in trying to do everything that was right like and I did pretty well I got headhunted out wow. of university yeah so I masked so damn well that uh, everybody wants to hire me for their design agencies like in London I got lots of internships in in the world's biggest design agencies like Future Brand and Landor and Identica there was like, yeah, it was prestigious agencies. And there, there I was, I had no idea what I was doing or how I ended up there. I was so surprised and I uh, did not know what to do, but I just, I did it. But after six months with um, doing that in various agencies, I was so damn burned out. I just quit. And some people would say like, what the heck you could have been? I mean, I had a, I was in that office uh, building next to the tower bridge where you like look out on tower bridge and I was thinking wow this is so cool but I was so tired so I, mm. I, I went back to Oslo and I got a here in a little old Norway got got a job here but it didn't take long before yeah I lost that job and then <laughs> you know I, I mean the mask just lasts for a certain amount of time and then it will eventually start to crack and yes. and then your colleagues, your boss, and everyone will start to notice, and then they, there will be conflicts, especially, this is very typical with women, also, who are not diagnosed, that they just just force themselves to, to act uh, properly, and then one day, when, after years of having heard that you are nothing but, like, an asshole, you're a, mm. you're a poor person, you're rude, you're a bitch, and everything, and you're so stressed out like and don't know why on earth because you know with yourself that you never tried to be rude or never tried to, to harm do anyone any harm and actually you tried to do the opposite you tried to to uh, be polite you tried to actually cheer people up and you tried to help people by being informative and and then you get all this shit it's like being a upside down down world and and then it a lot of women just get to that point in life where they just want to kill themselves. And I wanted to kill myself by the time I was 36, ended up in an abusive relationship, which is also very common among women on the spectrum who are undiagnosed because 
we're so used to hearing that we are horrible people, that we are so yeah. rude and all that, that we just don't understand that we deserve better. So we yeah. just take it when we have like a shitty boyfriend. So I got a boyfriend in the same um, uh, type of work. Like he was also in the design industry here in Oslo. It was a very small world. And he really did a number on me. Like I was being up at home and then I went to work and I was trying to mask and then I got, you know, so it was just really terrible. And there's so many stories I've heard that are like almost exactly the same, like, oh my God. And then, and then they also got diagnosed. So when, when I say it saved my life, it was like, after I got rid of that horrible ex and I quit my job and, and I changed my name and like my last name, just my yeah. last name. And, um, to try and get away from it but and i tried to uh, quit the design industry and become a design teacher and lecturer instead but <laughs> it didn't really work because i was already my 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 mental health and emotional health had been so ruined and i was around yeah 36 37 yeah 37 the year before everything just so one day I just had enough, you know, it was just yeah. all too much like a, an entire life of built up trauma where it was like every single meeting and connection you had, had gone to hell. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I just went to my GP one day and said, I'm going to kill myself. I can't go back to work. I'm go- I, I can't do this anymore. And then he said, okay, um, you don't have to go back to work. Take one day at a time. And then I just went home and I went to bed and I stayed in it for one year. I was oh my so depressed. goodness. Yeah. So that was like from the age, of, like until I got diagnosed <laughs> almost. But I was just so depressed. And when you are so severely, severely depressed, you can't see the reason to even get up of yeah. bed and go toilet and have a shower and eat or do yeah. anything like everything nothing makes you smile even your your hobbies the things that you love the most in the world nothing it just it's it's such an inexplicable feeling to have to try to explain but it's it's so painful so that's why it's such a high it's the suicide rate among autistic people or also people who have been diagnosed mm. who just don't find any help because of ableism everywhere. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, people who are different, people have a, there's not yet enough room. People don't know how to accept people who are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to work at. So, but it really saved my life being diagnosed uh, like approximately like a year after I went to the doctor and everything just, just, yeah. So stayed in bed and I started therapy during that year also I I was in bed but I started therapy after Mm -hmm. a while and I went two times a week so intensively to to therapy because uh, the therapist was like yeah I can see that you're about to end it all come back in two days that's serious like okay really that soon okay so (laughs) it was so intensive therapy and um but it really helped. And um, because of my therapist, I I'm, I guess I'm still here. He helped me yeah. so much. And 
believed in me, listened to me. So not everybody can find a good therapist either. Which yeah, it's so really, true. Really such a huge problem. And I guess I'm just, it was a fluke. I'm lucky that I found a good therapist. Actually, it was my mom's therapist. Oh, it was your mom. See, you got, there you go. Now let's, let's talk about relationships and with people like your mom, or let's say in workplaces, how did a diagnosis impact those relationships? Did you find it was helpful for people to start being able to understand you? I know from myself, I had somebody who I was friends with for a while and it wasn't until we were together at an event and she became very, what I was perceiving as rude, very rude. And I was just like, this is a side I've never seen before. I I was Mm -hmm. not expecting this. I was almost a little bit um, embarrassed at the moment because I just didn't understand what was going on. And, and I was just very surprised by their behavior. It was a couple months later that she was diagnosed uh, with being on the spectrum. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have assumed that she was being rude. I should have just, I think it just helped me understand that, you know, she wasn't being rude. She was just speaking without, you know, this trained filter that we have in society to sort of, you know, cope in social situations to really filter, make ourselves as palatable as possible for everybody around us. And I've learned so much since then, but I can imagine like you spoke about moving through relationships, moving through jobs, this, you know, the rudeness can come off as like an employee, like that can end up on your employee files that can, you know, cause you to get things like being fired or not even get the job in the first place. Not to mention in families, I mean, you get rude to your mom, you find out real fast how well that's not going to go. And so I wonder for you getting that diagnosis and, and beginning to understand that how your brain was working and how it was wiring, especially Um, after 38 years of sort of wearing this mask around everybody, did that diagnosis help you in your relationships or how was that experience in itself? Yeah. So I feel like maybe the getting the diagnosis and learning about all of the traits of being autistic and everything just helped to myself and everyone around me in my family. So I don't have so many people around me. It's just my mom, my sister dad really after I had my big breakdown uh, I lost everyone and I had already lost people before that so now it's just my mom my sister and but anyway it's helping us all to see me and accept me for who I am and Mm -hmm. and to we kind of looking a little bit closer at what I'm what is it that I'm saying exactly when I'm saying things that they are thinking is rude like Mm. what actually is she saying so for example <laughs> when, uh, I, of course I when I'm with my family I I let the mask go a lot yeah. more than with, with new people for example but if I so I could say to my mother when she is knitting a sweater and she's asking me oh isn't this nice and I would say no <laughs> I hate it. Yes. And, and that's uh, like what you should not do. You should say, yeah, maybe uh, I would choose another color, but uh, good knit work. But I would say, no, I, I fucking hate this knitting. Stop showing it to me. It's boring. You know, and uh, you shouldn't. That could be hurting people's feelings. But I, but honestly, it's like 
she's talking about knitting so much. It's really so, I'm really uninterested in it. So yeah. I have to be honest at some point. And, and then sometimes when she's doing her hair, she she always has the same haircut. Like, you know, um, that woman in the rock set? Short, yeah. Hair. So my mom, she's... A, <laughs> she did that in like the late 80s 90s and she still has that haircut (laughs) and then like the short almost like billy idol i don't know but uh, that roxette hair uh, and then when she goes and cuts her hair and puts highlights in it she comes and asks me so i just went to the hairdresser oh what do you think and i would say just looks the same yeah like yeah the same always i i don't understand why you keep asking me this like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I heard about this a lot too with Amy Schumer. She was saying about how her husband being on the spectrum of autism was, that's like some of the most reasons she loves him. She's like, he never lies to me. If I ask him like, how, what do you think of this dress? And he's like, I hate it. She was like, he's so honest with me. I trust him so much that, you know, and that's sort of, I think for a lot of in the celebrity world, that was the first time I think people were starting to talk about, um, the spectrum and, and understanding, you know, that there's actually some really beautiful parts of it as well. It's not inherently, negative. And I think for somebody like Amy Schumer to come out and be like, my husband has autism and it's like why I love him. Like there's, that makes him so special and so unique. And I think that's something that I, I guess I'm curious now you started the spectrum girl on Instagram. Now, what led you to do that? And how has that been going? Because I've been following you for a while now. And I guess I didn't realize how close I'd been following you to your diagnosis, because I think I followed you for a couple of years. So I don't know how long you've been doing it. But um, what led you to sort of want to take that journey in educating other people? Because I have learned so much from you. And I remember like a, a standout post about people who have autism and their connection to animals. And it just was so beautiful. And, and I just have learned so much from you over the years, but I would love for you to kind of share how you decided, especially after a diagnosis and sort of processing 38 years of your life into, I'm going to do this and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to teach alongside other people about autism as well. Yeah. Because when I first got diagnosed, I, uh, I, I saw a meme or somewhere on social media that I really uh, could relate to. And that's kind of when I was like, oh my God, there are people on Instagram. There's a whole community with autistic people. Oh, these are my people. And then I just kind of, I wanted to create an account so that I could get to know people. And then I chose the name The Spectrum Girl, like uh, off the bat, like comp- in the beginning. I had no idea that I was going to get to the place where I am now but so I kind of find my people and um, and I did that but also I really wanted I had such a deep need to tell my story and Mm. to you know be seen and heard because I'd been ignored my entire life been a wallflower standing and observing everyone and it hurt so much that I could never ever express what I actually had experience and what I actually feel and what I you know that I never want to hurt anyone and that I'm actually like the most peaceful person who is only wanting to like spread like nice and love and you know and so I 
yeah, started to tell my story. And then it just kind of snowballed into other people relating. And then mm. it felt good, like that I'm helping other people as well at the same time. So it just gave me reason to kind of keep going, I guess. And um, it kind of, yeah, it gave me motivation in life to get up and do something in the morning. Like, just keep, I just keep writing. We actually unpack in this episode the importance of therapy, and that's why I love talking about Talkspace. I recently actually got a note from one of our listeners who had just signed up for Talkspace and said how much it was changing her life, because honestly, we all need to take care of our mental space. Therapy helps people get clear everyday thoughts, emotions, in life situations that tend to sort of stack up. Talkspace makes it easy to just get started, which sometimes if you're struggling is the hardest step. And also if you're doing really well is a hard step. It's hard to find the perfect moment to start therapy. For me, I often have treated it like an umbrella and now I'm treating it as, you know, a way for me to build tools to move through this world. But no matter where you are in your mental health journey, talking to a therapist who's trained to help makes a huge difference. Talkspace helps take some of the pressure off that first step because it's more flexible, convenient, and affordable, and it's a great way to get high quality care. Once you match with one of their licensed therapists, you can message them anytime through the app or schedule a live session if you need some FaceTime. With 24-7 text, audio, and video messaging, Talkspace lets you talk to a licensed therapist without needing an appointment. They have thousands of therapists across dozens of specialties. Once you match with your therapist, you can message them anytime, anywhere. Talkspace is private, secure, and most importantly, accessible. It's everything you love about therapy without the stuff that gets in the way. If thoughts and emotions are piling up, a fresh perspective can help you feel better. Match with your dedicated therapist today at Talkspace.com and use promo code PAPAYA during signup to get $100 off your first month. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code PAPAYA. You know, as we talk about emotional wellness, I think it's important to also chat about how we can do that for our kids. Slumberkins is this incredible brand. They're an emotional wellness company focused on raising the next generation of caring, confident, and resilient children. Each collection teaches a new set of skills like self-esteem, stress relief, authenticity, growth mindset, and so much more. The creature collections are full of these snuggly creatures, positive affirmations, and books that teach age-appropriate, tangible lessons in a way that kids understand. Created by a therapist and educator, Slumberkin's stories use therapeutic techniques to help children master social-emotional skills. Created by mums for mums and trusted by thousands, Slumberkin provides tools to teach children how to understand and support their emotions, designed to set the emotional wellness foundation for any family. Because learning about our emotions has never been more fun and approachable for families. Slumberkin creatures and board books are perfect for children's age zero to eight. We just got three different ones for Lemmy and they are just so, so sweet. We especially love the one that is Hammerhead to help Lemmy learn about conflict resolution as she is coming into her toddler years and we felt that was very important. Right now, if you visit slumberkins.com, that's S-L-U-M 
B-E-R-K-I-N-S.com, you can use code PAPAYA at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's code PAPAYA at checkout for 15% off your first order at slumberkins.com. Let's get back to the show. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. You write beautifully as well. And do you write in a way that's almost healing to your own story? It is. So my native language is not my mother is not English. So I have to admit because, yeah, because I'm, I think in different languages in my head okay. when I'm oh, writing. Wow. Yeah. So because I'm Norwegian. So, um, yeah. So sometimes when I'm writing, I have to write it in English, but, you know, my thoughts are in Norwegian, but it is. So I, I take, actually, thank you so much for saying I write beautifully, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's why I'm saying it, because it's such, it's so much work for me to write it, to translate it from my head and down to English. So I'm, I really appreciate that you said that. But it's very healing to see my words coming out the way that I want. They didn't as much in the beginning, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit better the more I keep writing. The, the easier it gets and I feel like the more I keep writing uh, the more what I want to express gets expressed in the way that I wished it would you know all, all those years ago it's like so it is cathartic in a way yeah it is. you you recently wrote a letter to your younger undiagnosed autistic self. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because I want people to go and read it for themselves. But you start with, dear girl, life will be hard on you. You will torture yourself by doing things that you don't want to, and you'll pretend to be okay with it. So you won't seem odd to everyone else. Your senses will feel like they're on fire and you'll go into sensory overload and have meltdowns. You won't get friends and you will be alone. You'll try to make yourself small to be accepted by your peers, but this will completely erase all the creative force within you and the parts about you that make you, you. And you go on and on in into such a healing part, sort of ending off with how your grief will metamorphosis into a light and all the things that come to pass will not be the end. And what comes next will so begin. You'll finally feel at ease and let your inner fire finally release. And I just thought, you know, as I read your writing, I also have somebody I follow online who whose child has recently been diagnosed with autism. Now, what would you say as we've kind of moved through understanding autism, there's still a lot of grief involved and a lot of fear, a lot of fear about autism. What does it mean? Is my child ever going to, you know, have a beautiful life? And what would you say to a parent that might be going down that road of potential diagnosis or um, finding out that their child is autistic? So the most important thing is to like give them room to be themselves and Mm -hmm. never feel ashamed of who they are. Don't ever 
give them a reason to to feel shame in mm. any way because that was what kind of ruined me and I'm working so much on well not my I'm not saying like that my parents did that but yeah. the society yeah, everyone in the world kind of that that all these little weird things that I did was just so cringe or they that oh my god what are you saying what are you doing I mean I did a lot of weird things though I have to admit now looking back one time when I was trying to comfort one of my classmates I had seen the Lion King on the movies and uh, it was going on the movie theaters back then I'm quite old you know so yeah <laughs> hey I I'm right there with you I get it <laughs> so uh, I had seen Simba and Nala licking each other's faces so what did I do when uh, my classmate was uh, crying to comfort her? I licked her face uh, to, yeah, I licked the tears of her face Aww. because for me, I was 12 years old and I thought that would be a sweet thing to do. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, and then she looked at me like, oh my God, you are so weird. But I mean, I was so like seriously, genuinely trying to comfort her. Yes. And I, <laughs> you know, Which is such be- a beautiful <laughs> thing. Like, that's that's filled with so much kind like so much kindness and so much love and you you also uh, this is why I'm saying to everyone listening like you need to follow her on social media the spectrum girl because you also help people understand you recently did a reel all on how to treat autistic friends and it's sort of going through you know in joking situations and social situations all of these different things um informing sensory stuff there's so much to learn about this and I think especially it's important even even if you don't know anybody in your relational world right now with autism to learn about it, because there is such a likelihood in the next few years that somebody is going to be diagnosed in your world. And they might be like you at I'm 37 right now. If I got diagnosed in the next year, I would want my friends to learn. I would want them to be a part of this with me. I would want them to understand me more. And so that we don't get into these sticky situations. I imagine for you, as you talked about kind of going through burnout and I was like, well, no wonder you've been wearing a mask, practicing social skills and cues, like moving through the world that way. That sounds exhausting. Like it sounds absolutely exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. And I made so many bloopers along the way, but I mean, uh, you have to uh, make mistakes in order yeah. to be really good at something. That's also something people say. I guess that's when, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm learning how to unmask now and and not really try so damn hard all the time and, and to be completely flawless when speaking and all that. And that's actually almost more difficult to try and to to not mask. Because I'm so used to masking, and I'm, yeah. yeah, it was like my life depended on it, you know, to try and and behave in a certain way. I mean, I couldn't go around licking people's tears off their face for the rest of my life. I understood that quite early, so I was like, <laughs> so there's kind oh. of a compromise almost there between unmasking who you are and then also understanding what what was appropriate to kind of move through this world, I guess, at the same time. Yeah. So I think uh, a lot of people have have that problem to learn how to unmask and that mm-hmm. it, it's a huge uh, inner conflict mm-hmm. to go of that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adore you. I mean, 
<laughs> it's been, no, I do. I, I I've learned so much from you. And I think that more than that, you're just such a beautiful person and you have such a heart for people. And it's been such a joy to get to know you over the last couple of years. Hey, and, and- Self. You're you're a lovely person. You're a beautiful person. Come on. Who are you? <laughs> you're just, I just think you're so great. And I know that everyone can find you on the Spectrum Girls. Is there anything else you've got going on that you want to share before we wrap up? I feel like all I did was talk about myself here. That's and, exactly uh... what I wanted you to do. That's what I came here for. That's what I wanted to ask That's you what... about. <laughs> I wanted to ask you stuff too. <laughs> I always say that when I'm at my, my in my, my therapist office, yeah. I say that. Like, oh, damn, I feel like all I did was talk about myself. It's so hard. It's so hard to get out of that mentality too. When you feel, I, I get that sometimes too, when I'm doing podcasts and you're like, wait, this isn't a conversation. It's an interview. Like it's wait, what? Like I get it totally for everyone who is listening. I really, really highly encourage you to go follow Charlotte on Instagram at the spectrum girl. And is, are you on TikTok yet? Yes, I'm on TikTok, but it's not going very well. Hey, you never know. You never know. TikTok is the wild west. It is so, so we're going to also say that you're on TikTok as well. They can find you in all the places. We're learning together. We're unpacking. You're unmasking. I love that for you. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.